I'm Charlie Taylor. I'm Ben Carter. We're two hip-hop writers and fans of hip-hop. I am lead editor of The Fifth Element, where I highlight the fifth element of hip-hop knowledge. And I run Hip-Hop by the Numbers Twitter account, where I research statistics and use them to paint the bigger picture. Welcome to Digging in the Digits. Good evening slash morning, Ben. Yeah, good morning slash evening, Charlie. How's it going? <laughs> I am good, I am good. What have you been up to? What have you been listening to? Uh, I haven't been listening to a lot, actually. I've been listening to some older stuff. But uh, I guess because no no hip-hop came out uh, last week. Ah, Anderson Pack. Off. Yeah, Anderson Pack. Anderson Pack. I haven't heard it yet. Yeah, man. I haven't heard it yet. Sleeping, sleeping, sleeping. I, I haven't heard it yet. You know, I really liked Oxnard. Well, slept. And everyone's saying that this is like Oxnard wasn't good, and this is great. So I, I need to, I need no, to no, jump no. in. Oh, who says Oxnard wasn't good? <laughs> this is the thing. I Who's thought it was people? great when it came Who's out. Who's your people? At them. At them. At them for me. Apparently, this is. Oh nah, man, Oxnard wasn't. I mean, I thought it was great. Yeah, I mean, yeah, no, no, Oxnard was great. Let's 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 get it out of the way. Oxnard was great, right? I think I think Ventura is. Um, I I I, th- I think of it as this. I find it a better album. Like so, if I had them both on vinyl, Ventura would be the one I'm listening to because it just blends together so well as a whole body of work. But if but the my favourite songs are on Oxnard, so yeah. like, I have like three tracks off there on my regular rotation. So yeah, like I think um, yeah, Ventura is the better album, like from a body of work standpoint, from like start to finish and like vibe wise. But um, I think Oxnard has better tracks for me personally, so that's how I distinguish. That's how I distinguish him. Well, I mean, we could segue straight into our topic with this because Oxnard got a seventy-three on Metacritic and a seventy-eight user score, and yet the rhetoric I hear is that really it's not that great. So maybe. Maybe. Wow, I didn't realize I didn't realize I was in the in the in the minority with this. I, I thought I thought I, I mean I didn't. I, I mean I had it in my top ten, like personally, like uh, I think I did like number six. But yeah, you know, it wasn't it, it wasn't the best, but it was the, it was uh, it's not Malibu, but um yeah, I I, I enjoyed it a lot. I didn't realize it was so uh, me uh, lukewarm to most people. Hmm. Yeah, I didn't realize that either. I mean, I'm looking at Malibu now, and it got an 85 and an 86 user. Yeah, score, Malibu. So Malibu is just maybe oh, Malibu's maybe a masterpiece. Maybe people thought that it just wasn't quite up to the standard of Malibu. So maybe it's yeah. Just I, think it's, um, I think it's um. I think I think it's like uh, the you know when when an album's so great, like the next album just has that you know doesn't feel as good sometimes. Like um, I mean. So the topic today, as we segue, uh, okay. continuing on from that, is uh, reviews and review scoring um, and just a general, you know, critiquing from a user and a, from a professional critic perspective. So talking, referencing, uh, you know, uh, Malibu and Oxnard slash Ventura, I can, I can imagine why people wouldn't like Oxnard you know as much as Malibu because I mean personally I put Malibu up there but I don't let that I mean I mean this is me personally I don't let you know an album that was great and we can uh, reference another one by saying um Kendrick Lamar's Tim Pippa Butterfly yeah I don't let that shit on you know damn you know what I'm saying uh, yeah. I, I don't let 
T-Pab's glory in its in, in all its um, best album of all time glory that I put it in, and then go, oh damn, pe- peasantry, peasantry album. You know what I mean? So I don't, I don't. That's not how I think about you know um, albums like that. You know, especially when they come, you know, you know after after a great album. I think the th- the hard thing is when you see someone at the absolute peak of their abilities, like we saw with Kendrick on Dam or Anderson yes. Park on Malibu, and you know what they're capable of, and then they drop something mm. that you feel is not their you meant T uh, right? their their peak yeah their peak artistic creation. I mean, even Untitled Unmastered was incredible, and then personally, I don't mm-hmm. really even like Dam, which is it, it's a great okay. way to talk about review scores because i mean that album has the highest review score of any number one hip-hop album of all time and that's yeah. equal with damn uh sorry equal with to pimp a butterfly so right yeah yeah both equal yeah the the narrative i've heard from fans is that damn is really good but it's Them just weak, not yeah. it's not on good kid mad city and to pimp a butterfly level yet critics yeah. absolutely fawned over it which i find really yeah. interesting yeah, uh, um, yeah, there is is a weird thing that you know. There's obviously always that bridge between, you know, regular, regular average Joe and uh, and music critic. Uh, I find I find I find it very fascinating. Or every time you know you just you just see a review from even from like a YouTube perspective. You know, obviously they're not you know professional professional. Uh, well, you could say Andy Fantano is, but um. You know, it's it's interesting. You know, looking at someone that's you know listens to music for a living and uh, writes about them or whatever, and they always have a well, not always, but they sometimes have that uh, different vibe towards things. I guess maybe it's. Uh, I mean, we'll get into this later in terms of criteria, but I assume they have more criteria than the average person. You know, the average person is like, does it sound good? You know, <laughs> you know. <laughs> You know what I mean? Just basic stuff like that. Yeah, and what I found really interesting, so I, I, here is some like some solid numbers because I ran some numbers on uh, the discography and the average review score for Kendrick, Kanye, Jay, Drake, Future, Cole, Logic, Big Sean, Nicki, and Eminem. And okay. I compared the aggregate professional review score, which is done by Metacritic, where they weight uh, different review outlets and and kind of average mm-hmm. all the review scores. And I then I compared mm-hmm. that to the user review scores from the same albums. Mm. And what mm. was really interesting about that was that Jay-Z dropped way down um, and Eminem jumped way up. So Kendrick is obviously way at the top. Like his Metacritic score is 89.6 from four five albums because uh, they... They included Untitled, Unmastered. And then his user score is 87. Kanye's 80.4 and then 81.8. So it's very similar. But if you look at Drake, professionals review him really well. And the fans don't seem to review him as well. So his professional score is 75.8, where his user score is 67.2. Um, mm. Future is similar. His professional score is seventy four point four. His user score is sixty six point five. Um, Big right. Sean was another massive drop. His professional is seventy. The user score is sixty three point four. Um, yeah. And then Eminem went in the other direction. So his professional average is sixty seven out of hundred. 
but his user score is 77.3 out of 100. So I don't know, like, if we're looking at, you know, really diehard fans diluting these numbers, but I don't think we are because there's a huge amount of reviews on these these user review websites. But it's interesting that what you say about different criteria about how professional reviewers have completely different criteria to what we do as listening public. Yeah, I mean, yeah, the, 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 there is, I think there is like a depth there, you know, from for some people, but there's, but I think to be a, you know, proper music critic, I think you just have to have the integrity to give yourself a deeper criteria than most just to, you know, just to separate yourself and to, I guess, validate yourself as a music critic. But, um, yeah, these numbers are fascinating me, honestly. Like, I can't, I can't get over, I mean, I can't get over a lot of these, to be honest, but, um, Big Sean, right? So, here's my thing on Big Sean. I, I, I really, I genuinely think he could be great. Wow, okay. We're we're at odds on this, but but, continue. Wait, 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 wait. wait. Let me finish, let me finish. Sorry, sorry, (laughs) continue. Let me finish. I genuinely think he could be great, but the stuff he has put out is so underwhelming. Really, it really annoys me, because... I've because when when Big Sean's good, he could be good. Like there's a there's one track I have in my regular rotation called "On the Come Up," and it's on a Michael made album, and it's so good. Like it's it's so tight. It's it's just Big Sean at his best, right? And there's also one he dropped on SoundCloud for New Year's, which is very good as well. And you know he can have this introspective way about him, which is very endearing, and I really enjoy it. But but then he like you know when when he originally started you know his mainstream career and had that uh in his, in his most notable song was that uh that song with Nicki Minaj um you know bears bears yeah yeah yeah, yeah, oh, yeah, yeah god yeah. 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 yes yeah. <laughs> that was that was that was a great time in our lives um, oh, man. that was <laughs> the, that was that was the little Wayne influence like man he was <laughs> going was, crazy was, oh. Oh boy, that was a that was a dark time. It was rough. But um yeah, and then and then like, you know, I consider Dark Sky Paradise a very good album. I really enjoy that album. And then came I Decided, which just sounded like a wave riding like I sound he just sounded dead. He had no inflection at all. I was like, Where have you gone, Sean? Where have you gone? But um obviously he's back now recently. I actually like was thinking about that, but yeah, just from scores, I was just like, Yeah, that kind of makes sense. But um, you know I mean we had this um I mean, we had this conversation while we were like planning the actual, you know, whole whole podcast itself. I rate Logic high the most, you know. Obviously, people think he's corny, you know, and you know, oh, the peace and positivity thing. Just, you know, I can see why people find him exhausting, but I just find him half decent. I'm on the fence on that mm. front, but the fact that Future and yeah, just to stick with Future, the fact that Future rating wise is above J Cole blows my mind yeah that it, that, it, it yeah. blows my mind it really that, does like I, I can't minds. I, I can't i can't fathom <laughs> i really can't i can't fathom it because i just i just don't see future as anything i i don't i just don't register him. i just don't register him. see what i what i find interesting because we have to look at why professionals are giving these review scores and i think yes because I've, I've read a lot of reviews and you know my whole backstory of how i got into doing statistical articles is based on reviews i was working for a review website and 
mm-hmm. it was getting decent traction, but it wasn't getting major traction. And I thought a lot right. about it and I just thought, you know, why does anyone really care about my opinion? Because, yeah, I have an opinion and yeah. I've listened to a lot of hip hop, but honestly, I'm not bringing anything really new to this situation. Yes. I'm just bringing my yes. own biases and no new perspective. And mm-hmm. the original goal with doing these statistical articles and statistical work was to build up some trust equity in a user base that was like, well, right. this guy kind of knows what he's talking about. And so we're going to actually, you know, maybe be interested in his opinion. Because I watched Anthony Fantano do it and he was just delivering a, a really in-depth, um, knowledge, musically knowledgeable look at albums and yeah. giving a new perspective. Yeah. And that's how he built up his trust equity. So... Mm-hmm. What I find really challenging about reading reviews is I have no idea who's writing the review. Like I know the the outlet, like Pitchfork, for example, but you know they have mm. so many different writers, and I'm like, what is Good your background? Point. What what bias are you bringing to this? What 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 is the point of this review? And so looking at Cole and Future, I think a lot of people attribute Future's commercial success to the rise of mainstream trap music and how it's like so ubiquitous at the moment and i think that yeah. really that really in like i think it's important when you're looking at the reviews of future it just seems like every product uh, project he drops people are viewing it through that lens whereas j cole i just don't think he's doing enough outside of his major fan base to progress the genre or to do something different or to take a risk or to do something dazzling. And that's why he's dropped a little bit below. And personally, when I ran these specific numbers and I ran commercial numbers, it's mm. it's honestly Drake, Future, and Nikki who have been the top three in terms of... And Kendrick, right. of course, who have been the top three in terms of commercial success. And then if you remove Nikki right. because her... Um, professional review score is 68 out of 100 you end up with drake future and kendrick which sounds crazy Mm. to people because cole is the better mc but i think future's been more impactful and i think that's why his review scores are higher that's yeah that's a very interesting point um yeah first thing on like uh we're talking about you know professional and why you stopped doing it i find that you know, I, I completely relate to that because when I started my side, I was just like, I'm not going to review music, honestly, because I don't feel qualified to, you mm-hmm. know, just straight up. Because, you know, at that point, I was just like listening to music just to catch up, if anything, and just like to, you know, just to, yeah, just catch up and just uh, uh, find my find my niche in terms of like what I like and stuff like that. I was trying to find out my tastes, you know what I mean? And, mm. you know, I'm, I'm not going to. I feel like if you're going to be a music review, you have to really be like an omnivore with this and just like be able to take in whatever and know that, know that artist and, you know, know that genre specifically, yada, yada. So, you know, I feel like there is, you know, there is a high bar there. Uh, We might not know what, what the bar says on it, what it says on the bar, but um, what's over it, but there is a high bar there um, in terms of just what you what you should have as a as a music reviewer, but I do understand what you mean. Like uh, you know, when 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 you just see a review and you know it may have someone's name on it, but you don't know them. You know, what I mean, you've never heard of them. You know, I, mm. I read some like I sometimes read Guardian or Independent and uh, 
you know, a, a couple of other stuff. But you know, I, I, don't, I don't know people's names. You know, I just I just see a Guardian review and I'm just like, oh right, two stars. All oh, right, three stars. Yeah, the other. Yeah. You know, I just I just I just read it. I just read it. I don't take in. There's no. There's no personality to it, and I find I find I think that's why YouTube reviewing has become such a thing now. You know, there are a lot of YouTube reviewers other than Fantano where it's just like you know they they have their they have their personality to it, and you know what they like and you know what they don't like, and that's very and obviously it's very endearing, and you trust them more. And uh, we talk about trust is a whole different um, story, but you know it's, it's it's just more it's just more acceptable and more um, just you know, easier to take in. You're just like, okay, I see what this person's like, you know, he's this, he's that. All right, uh, let's, watch, let's watch a couple more, you know, and maybe subscribe, yada, yada. But, um, yeah, I find that very interesting what you're talking about. Yeah, I just, I, I just stopped, I just didn't bother reviewing music because I just don't feel like I can do that. And on the other, other point, you know, J. Cole not furthering the culture. Hmm. That's a very interesting, that's a very interesting uh, way of thinking about it because, you know, I, I mean, I, I wouldn't f- say I culture. That... Let's let's say genre, not culture, because I think okay, Jake okay, does okay, a lot enough. for the culture. But I think in terms of the, okay. the musical genre, yeah, that's fair. That's yeah. I, I you know, I completely understand that. Yeah, I I, I kind of agree with that honestly, because um, yeah, I was I think that's my problem with KOD to be honest. I'm just trying to think, just trying to go back to it now, because you know, I, I I rated it, but I didn't. I knew it wasn't going to be in my top ten at all. Like just straight off the bat, I was just like, "Yeah, it's alright. It's, it's cool. It's cool. It's, mm-hmm. it's you know, I, I prefer, I'm more of a I'm more of an old J Cole fan, and I find I find I think I think that's the reason because is even though he can talk about different things and he has talked about different things over the years, you know, just KOD was obviously more mental health based and you know just um meta you know just talking about what's going on in the in the industry and yada and the uh and drugs and stuff like that you know it's just talking about what's going on the current affairs so you know what he's talking about and subject matter i think is is uh is great but i don't think that's kind of the problem with what's going on now where lyricism and what you say doesn't further the further the genre at all it's obviously more about sound now mm. so if you have you know that's what that's probably why i didn't write kod as much because you know there was a couple of trap beats there and i was just like yeah, it's all right it's just a trap beat you know what i mean so mm. in that fashion i think the fact that sound and sonics are more are more um you know defining for a genre and you can say that with back in the day as well because boom bap is you know judged by the sound boom bap is a sound you know what mm-hmm. i mean and that's how we, why we call it the boom bap era so you know it's not it's not anything different between eras but the fact that lyricism can't carry that weight and obviously um you know further the genres so to speak is interesting and even and it's even more prevalent obviously because trap is trap and hip-hop's where it's at where it's at right now and we don't need to get into that but yeah uh yeah I, I i do i do struggle with the fact that future's really highly relevant <laughs> i really do because i don't listen um, to future at all but i know he's highly relevant i don't know what i don't know how it happened honestly i mean what i find really interesting well, i do but like, i don't this like is, this is just an aside but you know the future and young thug difference I think yes. Young Thug's um, 
his review scores are very similar to Future's, and yet okay. he he just doesn't do as well commercially. And you know that's a whole other conversation. But about I feel like he's more appreciated. Young Thug. Yeah, I feel like you know when I you know I don't I don't I probably don't look in the right places. But when I whenever I see a, a mention of Young Thug, it's more it's more positive than Future. I mean, I think so. Like, let me just run up his uh, Metacritic score quickly because I think that he's... Uh, I think a lot of people... I mean, he's very similar to Future. His his average is 76. And right. Beautiful Thugger Girl has got an 84 out of 100. Or right. Put 40 out of 10. So, yeah, I think people put... Look, I had this conversation with a couple of people on Twitter because that original tweet that listed these... Uh, kind of ranked these artists by their Metacritic score obviously got a lot of engagement because people were really confused as to how Eminem was at the exact bottom, right? You know, he was 67, like he was miles below Drake. And people were talking about Young Thug. And I think it's just because him, he and Future, I mean, Kanye and Lil Wayne really popularized the auto-tune kind of trap beat 808 drum thing around 2008. But neither of them pursued it as aggressively as future and young thug did and i think future yeah. was the first one Future's more generic i think i feel he makes very commercial very generic music but he just has propelled it hugely into the mainstream by just breaking down the wall that kanye and little wayne started to break down in 2008 and then future uh sorry young thug came in and i think he started to diversify the way it was done, he would use different flows, different vocal cadences, different vocal techniques. And so I think that's why Young Thug is so well respected, but doesn't sell as well, because he's trying to do something. He really is trying to advance the genre. And I'm not sure that he's trying to do it. I think he's just doing it by default, because that's the kind of artist he is. But I think that's why Young Thug is spoken of so highly. But what what's really interesting about this conversation that we've just had for you know five minutes is that yeah. we're delivering our opinions and this is why this realm of hip-hop is so hard to agree on anything but it's also so great to have discourse on and this is why people i mm. think still care about review scores because you think oh, yeah. about it like why do people really care that much about as you said you don't you read the guardian but you don't know who actually wrote the review you don't know their personality. You, you feel no connection to them, but you read exactly. their words and you you take them on board and then have an emotional reaction to them. Yeah, and it's very robotic. Think, yeah. yeah, and I think it's you know a lot of people are like how how a review review score is still important in 2019 when some some reviewers only listen to an album once. Like everything is so quick now that you listen to an album once and you get your first listen review up and then that's done. It's out there. Whereas in the mm-hmm. past, uh, you know, publications would get advanced copies of an album a month before the album dropped and then they put mm. it in their magazine, which would come out a week mm. before the album dropped and that would build hype. So there was yes. a lot more importance. There's actually a Jay-Z quote, I think it was on The Breakfast Club, where he was talking about the reviews of Magna Carta Holy Grail and he said there were a couple of reviews that really upset him because he's like, you put the review out a day after I released the album and they were in big publications. I think one was right. in the New York Times. And he was just like, you couldn't possibly know anything about the album after one listen. 
And right. he was saying that back in back in the nineties, when he was submitting advanced copies to to you know the source double XL etc., he yeah. said they were important reviews. They could bump your first week numbers up, but now they're not really they're not really important, and yet we're still obsessed with them. Yeah, uh, yeah, I find uh, yeah that is interesting. You know the how their mon- how back in the day they were you know monetarily linked you know if you gave a five if you got a five mark review in source everybody's copying that but mm-hmm. um again this is kind of a more for a pro for you know youtube reviews because even the ones i follow they take you know they take their time you know uh dropping it dropping their review it's not immediate and i find that something that is uh, that there's something that's a problem when it comes to uh, reviewers in publication in popular publications of how fast they're doing it you know obviously they you know I'm, we know why they're doing it it's because you know first one first one gets the first read you know what i mean you know for, for early bird gets the worm and all that but yeah quality wise and you know just um due diligence isn't it's not it's not really there anymore so so to speak if if you know just could but but on the artist side, you could just you could easily just you know contact them and just go and do you want to peep this like a week early a week early so you can get a good review done. You know what I mean? You I mean see is if if artists care about it, which I don't know um, if they if they really do. Well, they probably don't to be honest. But you know, it's just how it goes. Well, I mean, but, um, I mean Eminem clearly cares about it because he created an entire album oh, yeah. based on oh, the views yeah. of revival. Oh, so, oh yes. But again, he's a he's a relic from the nineties. If you think about that, so he grew oh, up yes, on the views, but he, he, he definitely cares. I mean, to release an entire album based on the fact that your last album got bad reviews, that's um, that's really taking it to an extreme, oh, isn't it? You know what? <laughs> I have you. I I I I love. I I kind of like Kevin Carsey for that exact reason. I I like it. I like that pettiness. I just, I, really, I really do enjoy it for that reason. Honestly, it's just it's very, I you know it's just very rage against the machine kind of thing. I'm just like you know what, do it, go for it, man. I mean you know people are gonna make memes a lot, but it, do do you, man? Do you? Yeah, uh, you do. <laughs> <laughs> I just find that so funny. You know, so you know what so, that's you know what that's so a good great. segue into is that I looked at the dis- the biggest discrepancies between the professional reviews and the user Ooh, reviews, and Kamikaze okay, okay. had one of the Kamikaze had one of the biggest. So on Metacritic, right. the professional aggregate review score is sixty two out of one hundred, whereas right. the user review score is seventy nine out of one hundred. So that's yeah. a seventeen point difference, which is a massive. Mm massive difference and so this is another like thing that we're not thinking about well we, we spoke about just briefly just then is that bias that reviewers have and clearly yes. if if an artist releases an album taking aim at your profession do you really think you're going to give it a good review score i mean it was better than revival yeah. revival got a 50 but you yeah. know it's, it's not it's <laughs> 62 out of 100 versus 79 mm. out of 100. That's a massive difference. Yeah, I, f- I think that is a genuine thing that I find a problem with, you know, reviewing in general, where I don't think anybody can be fully object- uh, uh, objective, especially when it's an artist that is established, I think. Um, you know, just, just, just to contrast, I think if 
the reason why you know Kendrick's Dam got was like you know on par with Timbaland Butterfly, even though most people would say Timbaland Butterfly is better, the fact that he has this he has this you know uh, um, it's about resume. If anything, you know, I think I think that there is a resume waiting towards when uh, towards people uh, mm. music critics and reviewers when they reviewing something they you know go back to listen to the ice previous work and you know i think it really I, I think they can't get away from the rose tinted glasses or or black tinted glasses if you're talking about eminem i i, th- I don't think i can get off that I, I i don't think they can you know just look at the project that they're looking at and you know mark it specifically on that they just see that you know revival came out and he hasn't had a quality album uh, uh, well object- objectively a classic album since you know what 2000 and mid 2000s you know what i mean so they wow, take yeah, that like eminem yeah. show probably yeah ex- yeah probably that yeah probably that so they take that and they go right let's just they, they obviously don't they don't um you know consciously do this but i feel like there is a subconscious you know bias that they give to some artists whether it be positive or negative that's obviously you know depending on the artist but i feel like there's definitely a thing there where and you know we do that we do that too let's be real i don't think it's just a critic thing i think it is really just a general human thing where you know you you, you go to a restaurant you eat something you get food poisoning you might not want to go back. You know what I mean? It might just it, yeah. it's, it's similar to that. It, you know, you listen to an, you listen to a certain album. You're like, eh, not liking that. And then another album drops. You're like, yeah, but the previous album, I've, I kind of, I still feel my belly rumbling as we speak. You know what I mean? So, I, I think yeah. that's really a thing. Uh, I think that's really a factor when it comes to not just professional viewing, reviewing, but uh, just general people. But I think. If you're going to be a professional reviewer, I think that objectivity is highly necessary, and I don't really think it's possible for them. I, th- I think there's an ego element think, as well. I think there's two there's two parts to that. Like just on that last point, and I thought about this a lot about what what I need out of a review and what I like to get out of a review because I used to read okay. a lot of reviews. That's actually how I got into Mac Miller because Pitchfork gave him uh, Blue Slide Park a one out of ten. Wow! And I was like, if Pitchfork gave this a one out of ten, wow. this must be a good album. So I listened wow. to it and I got into him. Yeah. Um, but I, the the way when I used to read these reviews from Pitchfork, they just weren't bringing like some some of the writers were fantastic. Some of them really brought an angle I'd never thought of before. Mm. Or they looked at the history behind an artist, or they they drew parallels between an album and a previous album, or they found connections that as an uninformed listener I would never find. And I think Anthony Fantano does this really well when he reviews. Is that he has such a wealth of knowledge about these artists that he's able to draw connections and and bring the reader's attention or the, the, the viewer's attention to something that may deepen our experience of the album. And that's why I personally go to review, like to, to read reviews. And I think there's three reasons people go to reviews. The first is for that. I think it's kind of rare, but I think it's so so valuable if a reviewer can give you a new angle or a new narrative about the album that you'd never considered before and it, mm-hmm. it helps you to listen to the album in a new way. Mm-hmm. The next way is 
to have your opinion confirmed. So if you don't like Revival, you you can't wait for Pitchfork to read to release their review and give it whatever they gave it two out of ten or something because you're like, see, I knew it was crap and they knew it was crap. <laughs> and the other is to be outraged. So if an artist you really like, and I, I found this with posting this this tweet about, especially with Nicki Minaj, you know, right. Nicki Minaj fans will seek you out. They they must. <laughs> I don't. I don't want to say too much about it, but oh my gosh, Nicki Minaj fans, do not leave me alone. Even if I don't tweet about her, if it's something related randomly that might be related to her, they somehow find you and tell you you should be tweeting about Nicki. But they they found this, and Ugh. I think that's the third type of person who goes to watch a review is that you know they might have loved the pink print or. Um, you know, Pink Friday, but it only got a 65 or something. Mm. Uh, this is, I think the Pink Print actually got a 74. But, like, that's what I mean. Uh, you you love an album and then a review website gives it a bad score and you can be outraged. So you've got an emotional connection and you're like, wow, you know, this is wrong. I'm outraged. So it's engaging you. It's engaging you. And I think that's why people go to review websites is because this is engaging to them. It's entertainment. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, I, I just, I just, I just can't get over the Nikki stuff. <laughs> oh man, that's all I got. It's getting, it's getting that's all crazy. I got like someone, someone actually posted underneath that that tweet um, that they were. They said, "We stand the Queen," or this oh. is not a, this is not verbatim, but this oh. is it. We stand the Queen that even <sighs> made this list. Respect Yuck. her. And I'm like, this is not an exhaustive list of every rapper that's ever lived and a, 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 like a ranking of their reviews. It's just the, you know, it's the most, yeah. So, I, man, I've had so many conversations with, with Nikki fans on, on Twitter and I respect their passion. I honestly respect their passion. I don't. Um, but, but these are numbers. These are numbers. I can't change the numbers. I'm sorry. <laughs> this is just... This is just statistical analysis. Yeah, that is interesting, isn't it? How you how you're posting completely objective facts and you still can't get away. <laughs> it's not like you said anything. It's quite, you just gave the <laughs> It's quite challenging to be honest. Oh. But the, again, it's like you know, this is probably why reviews are so important still because everyone has and music is so subjective. I mean, personally, I'm trying to bring an objective discussion to music or create a subjective discussion through objective tools and means. And I just think this is why, you know, I don't think my Twitter is doing so well specifically because of me. I just think that I have found a niche where, or a new angle that people haven't really discovered yet. And it's creating a huge amount of discourse because it's really interesting to discuss the subjective narrative around objective numbers. And I think, this is just a new thing that critics haven't really picked up on yet or, you know, a lot of journalists haven't done yet. And I think that's why people keep reading reviews. It's just great to have a discussion around it, a subjective discussion. Yeah, it's the same, it's the same with, you know, uh, like sales, you know. It's, just, it's, it's kind of a similar thing where, you know, you're, you just see you, your favourite artist or an artist you hate and you just look them up just to... Just to see if they got, you know, the, a bad review, and you just like, you, you know, you either depend on how you how you rate them, you just go like, oh, that's 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 good, or I disagree. It just adds, it is, yeah, it's just literally that. It just adds to uh, the conversation, and it's just an extra 
it's just an extra bullet mm. for people to use in terms of just like the overall conversation about artist X, basically. Yeah, and I, I wanted to explore if there was a correlation or some kind of a relationship between review scores and first week sales. Okay. And so I, I gathered, so I've got the the data for every <laughs> single number one. <laughs> I thought I'd just slide that in there. Oh, boy. For every single hip-hop number one <sighs> um, that's ever been released, that's ever gone, every single hip-hop album that's gone number one. And then I looked at their all of their first week sales and then try to find a correlation between the, the the review score of that album and then its first week sales. And there is no correlation, like a tiny linear correlation, but you couldn't chalk it up. You couldn't say it's a causation. And so statistically, review scores have no bearing on first week numbers. Like they just, they just don't. Right. And they have a tiny little bearing in the 90s on how many weeks an album spent at number one. But after that, in the 2000 and 2010s, it has no bearing whatsoever. So it's, I think it's completely aside from the, the, how, how many people are actually listening and enjoying these albums. I think it's, a, it's, it's not influencing it by the numbers. See, I've, so, so that goes back to, you know, back in the day when reviews mattered, you know, where where people would, you know, read the sort, read the source, see Illmatic got five mics and go blast it. You know what I mean? So I, th- I feel like that yeah. is literally what is going on here where you know, music crit- criticism doesn't have that weight anymore where, you know, and granted they, sh- I don't think they should to be completely honest at this point, since we're, since we already referenced that, you know, some of them drop a review, you know, the day later, obviously they're not putting the most effort in unless they were unless they were actually given it um you know the day before i think um i read a ventura review literally the day before it dropped so obviously by that by that scope i knew that they got an early rele- uh, early look at it which is fine but yeah, yeah the fact that yeah. you you see that they drop it a day early and you're just like huh that that doesn't really correlate the, you obviously didn't put as much time in as i think you should and that's just me but um, who knows if the average Joe thinks about that? But yeah, I, I've, I'm, I'm kind of, <laughs> I'm, I'm very happy that objective stat is, uh, <laughs> is, is, is the what it is. Yeah, and also I, I actually just found something when I was looking at this, these numbers, uh, specifically around Drake, and we talked about bias earlier, and I don't know what influence labels have over review websites but i should imagine Mm. it is quite high Mm. but if you look at scorpion like metacritic gave it a 67 out of 100 so aggregate review score the users gave it 38 out of 100 so that's (laughs) That's negative 29 that's that's, that's about where i put it yeah (laughs) i mean that's the thing that's the thing like scorpion was not really well well liked and and but for some reason it was reviewed quite highly and it, it's just this 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 internal bias that comes in and i don't know what criteria someone is viewing scorpion through to give it a such a high review because it's very mid it's very mid so i don't know maybe maybe labels are paying them i look that's all okay that's all stuff i don't know about, okay so that's that's, a conspir- that's a conspiracy thing let's get the tinfoil hats off for a second there 
<laughs> we don't want to get into conspiracy theories because we'll be here all year. <laughs> Pop the foil off for a moment. Um, <laughs> I do find I do find that uh, interesting that you're talking about Scorpion. Actually, I I wonder if you know because. I feel like the the push of tea beef that was that ensued beforehand, and obviously, clearly from a recording perspective, affected the process of that album, and dramatically oh, made gosh, it yeah. worse than it was uh, originally. I think because of that, fans saw that in the you know just the general sphere of hip hop, and they took that into again with the bias that. You know, Drake. Oh, oh, oh! I saw a rumor that uh, Drake had to go back in the studio and uh, change a couple of songs. And I think that's, I think that's probably true if you if you put truth serum in him. Oh, hundred yeah. percent. If you listen to the lyrical content of that yeah, album, exactly. I, I like most of it's at Kanye and and Pusha, like ah. all these subliminal yeah. disses. So I think he must have had to have gone back in this. Exactly. So I feel like with that, I think there was a, I think the fans added the bias of that. Added that to their, you know, uh, added that to their overall thoughts of it and judged it as such. Whereas I wonder, going back to that, I wonder if music critics were actually, you know, they did they throw themselves in that bubble and and uh, you know account for it, account for all that, or did they just look at the album itself and judged it how they judged mm-hmm. it? I've, I just wonder if the outside, you know, um, outside narrative towards a certain album, maybe like so, like if a so if the so like if a Dre dropped Detox all of a sudden, right? Would would they judge it off the fact that he started it, you know, in two thousand two thousand, or the or just the fact that it's just another album? Yeah, I mean, you, I, I, I listened to what you were saying earlier and thinking about how uh, it sounds like you wish for reviewers to review albums in a vacuum, just like that specific album and, you know, what it is, not in that moment in time, just what it is by itself. Is that is that what you're after from a, from a so review? I'm glad you said that because... I I have created I have actually created a if I was a if I was a music critic how would I how would that what would be my criteria because I think I've hinted a couple times that I don't think music critics have a particular solid criteria when they do stuff when they do their albums I mean maybe you know a personal per- a person might have their own but I don't think a whole you know I don't think the whole sphere has a airtight criteria so Glad you said that. Let me get into this, right? So I'm, I call this 10 into 2s, right? So you have an overall score of 10, you know, that's that's the perfect score obviously. But you cut it up mm-hmm. into you cut it up to, into five chunks. Okay? Five chunks and split them into ratings of 2 points, right? So you have lyrics and this is and this is, you know, judged on hip hop because I don't think you could probably do this with a you know, a rock record or a or a jazz record. So just sticking it to hip hop specifically into reviewing hip hop yep. al- albums. This is how I get into it, right? So two points for lyrics. How good are the lyrics? Are they complex? Meaning punchlines. Da, da, da. Production. Do the beats slap? Do they go hard? Do they complement the vibe of the work? Message, hype, and delivery. Hype slash delivery. And also the last one, which is kind of a special one, which is longevity, influence, and quote-unquote classic status, where 
is it remembered? Was it a cornerstone in the new era of hip hop? So, the first four would be what you review, what would what I'd review immediately in that vacuum. So, you know, if I'm reviewing a, a Scorpion, I would review the lyrics, the production, the message, the hype slash delivery. So, answering your question of sorts, I would actually take you know the outside narrative as well as if there is one, because some of them don't. You know, it could be like um. Uh, Solange's recent album that just that literally just she literally just said album dropping midnight and it dropped so you know what I mean so obviously there's no hype delivery there but maybe that adds to it so you know you can have a tit for tat on that but those those first four you would judge that you would judge them so you could uh, it, it could be like a you know if it, if it's terrible so 0.5 or it could be perfect which is a 2 you know what I mean so you can you can judge it how you want in decimals uh, similar to how Pitchfork does it in their in their decimal system, and then if mm. so, if it's if it's a perfect album, say a Pippa Butterfly, um, say it's that, I would you could only give that an eight at this point. So, you, for the last one, the longevity influence classic status, that would be a reason for a music critic, if I was a music critic, to go back to the album, listen to it again. And judge the whole thing on its influence, and obviously on the on the fact that it's aged. Obviously, a good, you know, you can. I don't know how. Uh, you know, some people say five years for, for to judge a classic, or ten, or twenty for some people. I I think about ten is usually my my um, you know, I think that's usually the, a, a good sweet spot. So, the review is actually not done until ten years after. So I think. In terms of like how, in terms of a criteria, I think that's the most solid one I could think of, where you can, in in terms of a hip hop album, you could take it, and, you know, judge every inch of it. You can you can you can drop it a day after if you really want to, but the review won't be finished until ten years later, when you're looking at it. That's again. really. That's really interesting because I want to like speak quickly on this because I was thinking about this earlier just on your last point on longevity. Right. And so I've got uh, like listed the highest, obviously the highest reviewed number one albums. And okay. I wonder, like a lot of these are classics in hindsight. So To Pimp a Butterfly is the highest at 96, classic. Okay. Um, My Beautiful Dark Twisted Fantasy is third with 94. That's a classic. License to Ill, I'm not sure how people feel about that, um, but that's 92.3, that's fourth. Then Speaker Box Love Below is a classic, that's 91. Mm-hmm. Um, we, a Tribe Called Quest, we got it from here, is a 91 mm-hmm. at number six. I don't know, it's too mm-hmm. early, that's mm-hmm. 1996. Uh, sorry, that's 2016. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you've got Life After Death, which is number seven okay. at 88.5, that's a classic. You've got Blueprint at number 8 with 88. That's a classic. The Score by the Fugees, 87.8. Probably a classic. classic. Beastie Boys at number 10 with Hello Nasty. I'm not 100% sure that you would call that a classic. That's 86. But of the top 20, I would say most of these are classics. You've got the Black Album, Doggy Style, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Late Registration... You know, you've got some you've got some anomalies in there, like crossed out by crisscross, which apparently got an eighty five oh, out of one hundred and ninety ninety two. Or loped after dark by tone loke. So I don't know, I don't know what's going on okay. there. But you've got all eyes on me with Tupac. You've got the miseducation of Lauren Hill. 
you know, the 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 even the top twenty five, you keep going down. You got the Carter three, um, you've got four four four. You've got yeah, like so, uh, which sounds crazy, but it seems like at the time the reviewers kind of got it right. But then we think about how many classic albums they might not have got right. Exactly, and then yeah. it's just hard. It's so hard to determine that last point in the moment. Like I think Astro World by. Uh, by Travis might end up being a classic, but how could we possibly tell at this point? You know, and yeah. and Damn is the, the the highest reviewed number one album of all time in '96. Mm-hmm. I don't know that it's going to be a classic, but we just, you know, we just have to wait and see. The way I used to review albums is I would listen listen obsessively to the back catalog of an artist and then read up as much as I could about them before reviewing their work so i'm the opposite of you i never reviewed an album in a vacuum i always reviewed it in the context of their discography in the context of of the genre the environment um you know tried to find connections Mm -hmm. tried to look at and it was it was objective but also very subjective so my scoring system was not statistically based or broken up into categories it was just you know, after doing all the research and after listening to this album and thinking about how I enjoyed mm. it and and how I felt listening to it and then putting it into the context of its the, the artist's discography, like what review would I give it then on a subjective level? So that's the like our two completely discordant approaches is probably proof that it's really hard to give an objective um, an objective review. Yeah. Okay. That's uh, yeah. Is yeah. The fact that is, I think that's where we, you know, can just probably finish it because literally that kind of just brings it back full circle. That this shit is, you know, it can go several ways. Like you can chop it in so many different ways, and unless you know the person, or you know, or you constantly read the person's reviews, then you won't understand their criteria. And I think that's probably my problem in terms of just like, you know, music criticism in general where, you know, I don't know the person, so I can't really, you know, just, I can't really take it as well as I could, you know, if, mm-hmm. if like a, if like a mate gave, gave a review to me, then I'd probably understand it more. But um, yeah, I think that kind of brings it full circle where it's just like, music criticism where whether you're a normal person or a, a normal person like music critics are like fucking gods or something god fucking hell sort myself out <laughs> no, sort myself no. out right jeez man don't don't put that on wax it's on wax now i've already got enough of a complex going it's on wax now sorry 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 guys oh, i've man. done it i've done it i've given the I've, I've stroked an ego that I shouldn't have. Okay, let me rephrase. Um, <laughs> I don't think it needs let to me be rephrase. A lot of the um, times, like, man. The, the average listener and the professional music critic <laughs> is obviously there clearly... Go. There you go, that's much safer. Obviously clearly very, very uh, different. And even in, you know, and even in those particular circles, there are 10,000 more circles that you could possibly draw from. So... I don't know. I, I think I think music reviews, similar to like sales, are just a thing that can be, you know, it's just that thing that you could add on to your argument if you're making an argument or just discussing music in general. I think it's just. I think it's just a. It's like a dip. It's a dip. It's a. It's a, it's a dip to put your chips in, 
uh, and just yeah. and just take it out and take it how you want it. So yeah, hundred percent. Right. Yeah, yeah, I think so. it's a good place to end. <laughs> do we want to? Do we want to? Um, yeah. Do we want to get into what we spoke about earlier, like the the specific pronunciation? Yeah. So I got. So data, I don't know if you guys clocked. I don't know if you guys. I, I, look, this is this but, was a surprise um, to me because I left you that voice message that was four minutes long about this podcast and really excited and all these great ideas that I had and can we delay it for a day because I've I've got all these extra data to collect and you're just like I did not listen to any of that voice message all I could no, pick up not, on no, was your no, pronunciation no. of data. <laughs> I was like, "Whoa, man! My my ideas must okay. not be that interesting, or maybe okay. true okay. like okay. pronunciation." I apologize. I did listen to. No, I don't did have listen, to apologize. I did listen to Let's it. In all honesty, it. I did listen to it. But yes, if you guys did <laughs> clock in the middle of this, your boy, your boy did say data, and I just found, he he, put, he gave data. it he gave that to me several times in a voice message a couple of days before we recorded, and I could not stop laughing. I was just like. How 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 did this like how did this come out of your mouth? <laughs> it's, so, it's so amazing. Like well, data. It's, the back the 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 problem I the so problem poetic. I have is that when I when I really like someone or respect someone for for some reason, I start to talk like them a little bit, and I think this comes and this is a little bit personal, but I did date a very prosh British girl in two thousand and nine. Okay. And she said data and she said a lot of things that for some reason in 2019, I still speak with a specific posh inflection on certain words. That's amazing. And so it just gives me this really mishmashy accent. But, you know, man, I don't don't know. I think it it just adds to the narrative, to be honest. You are a book of stories and I can't wait to get, get into so much more. I can't. I can't wait. I can't wait for the next word that will be oddly pronounced. <laughs> I can't wait. Oh man, there's there's a story behind everything. There's a man. story behind there's, everything. There's a, I'm 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 dirty, man. Wait till you get to dirty. It's scary up here. It's real <laughs> scary up here. You'll have you'll have just as many stories as I. <laughs> I, I hope I hope so. I'm a bloody writer. I hope I have a lot of st- stories I have nothing to write about. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> and absolutely. that and that is what we're doing here, digging, digging in the digits. We're going into the narratives. That's what we're doing. We're digging into the stories as well as the numbers. So on that note, we got to we got to get the narrative behind the data. Exactly, got to get the narrative behind the data. And on that note, data. <laughs> call it a day. We will call that a show. <laughs> nearly an hour this time. Nearly an hour. Uh, don't don't get used to that, guys. Don't get used to that. But um, yeah, I'm glad. I'm glad we got a lot. We got a lot out of this one. Yeah, I think we did really well. I think this is a, this is a good did one. Really well. So I hope you guys have enjoyed this episode of Digging Into Digits. I am Charlie Taylor. Yeah, I'm Ben Carter. And we shall see you next week, I guess, <laughs> for the for the next episode. All right. Take it easy, ladies and gentlemen. Peace. Digging in the Digits is produced by me and Ben Carter. The show was edited by me. Music for the show, Pizza and Video Games by Bonus Points, thanks to Jill Hop Records for the ability to use. 
socials for the fifth element hip hop by numbers bonus points and chill hop records will be in the description wherever you're listening this has been a fifth element podcast network and hip hop by numbers collaboration thanks for spending time with us and we'll see you next time on dig it in the digits Thank you.